Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. On today's show, we're firstly going to get into news of the day, of course, some recruiting stuff, and then in the back half of the show, we're going to get into our NFL draft preview with Owen Reese. Uh, he's our resident NFL draft expert, talent evaluator, the whole nine yards, so he's going to go ahead and hop on and talk with us about our uh, Wisconsin players eligible for the draft, where he thinks they were going, where he thinks they need to... Uh, improve and the biggest strengths they go as the NFL draft creeps ever closer. I know there's been a lot of news about this virtual draft, and but we're getting closer and closer for this thing started and these guys finding new homes. So exciting time for Wisconsin football and exciting time for us fans because it gives us a little bit new uh, stuff to talk about, which we've already kind of mentioned on the podcast. So Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great. I'm ready to talk a little draft. Owen's always great to have on, and uh, I, I think I'm just excited to have some actual sports news going on here with the draft upcoming. It'll be fun and some some actual sports to watch. You know, I know the 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 new release of the documentary of Last Dance has been fun to to reminisce and watch some of that stuff. So hopefully with the draft upcoming, it'll be even better and uh, hopefully it goes smoothly. I know there's been some some rough goes of it as you mentioned. Yeah, that should be an interesting uh, a couple days seeing how that'll work virtually. Trying to figure out how. NFL coaches and GMs are going to manage uh, all that should be should be a treat for us younger kids that have uh, been on, on on technology for a long time. I have to imagine there's some GMs that are that are petrified of, of having to do this online with such big decisions, but uh, it'll be fun. And like you mentioned, uh, it, it finally feels like we're getting some some new sports action. Of course, uh, with that MJ and, and the Bulls documentary, I have not had a chance to watch it. I heard it was phenomenal, though. Is that the case? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, you know, just. Having lived through that time, it, it's cool to look back at it and remember. And, you know, you see guys like Horace Grant and, and Oakley, and you're just like, oh, man, that, that was – so it's it's definitely cool, and it brings back – I love 90s basketball, um, and so it's uh, great to see, and it's kind of a treat. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I set the DVR. I had to finish Ozarks last night, so I uh, thankfully got that done, and then I'll pop that on probably tonight. <laughs> Yeah, and Ozark, Ozark was really good, too. Yeah, that was phenomenal. It was uh, If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite shows. So I was waiting for the uh, family to catch up uh, to me to finally finish it, so I'm glad I got that done. But let's hop into some uh, news of the day. We've got a ton of recruiting stuff uh, in terms of Wisconsin prospects. Uh, before we get into the three topics that we've got, uh, Billy Sharth also got a interview or interview <laughs> scholarship offer with essentially an interview uh, a scholarship offer with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, we had Billy on last week to talk about his recruitment uh, in terms of the last week or so he's been picking up offers in addition to the Wisconsin one but from you know Ohio State Michigan and Penn State so if you guys haven't listened to that interview go ahead and check that out it's our latest episode out already uh, but first on the on the docket here, Riley Malman accepted his invitation to the All-American Bowl, which is exciting for Wisconsin football fans. We've seen some prospects uh, playing in that game before. What do you make of uh, that invitation for Riley? I think it's obviously it's a huge honor first and foremost for him. You know, you got to feel great for him. Uh, he, he's going to be a really good athlete at Wisconsin. He's you know six seven, um, just adding more weight to his frame. But he's very athletic, good basketball player. So I think he's going to do really well down there. And it's it's one of those things where you can hone your craft against some really really talented players. Kind of uh, go against the best of the best down there, and and also you know play with everybody talking about hey, that's the next guy who's going to Wisconsin I wouldn't be surprised if there's more that end up um, representing the Badgers down there you know I could see Hunter Waller maybe being a guy who could get in there or JP Benchwall but um, they're just starting to throw these invites out now so hopefully Wisconsin uh, will be well represented down there again like they were last year when they had uh, multiple guys down there as well. 
Yeah, most definitely. It's always exciting to see, you know, sometimes Wisconsin will get one, two guys on there, but it seems like more and more they're getting it, uh, you know, more players and more consistent, uh, you know, numbers in that game. So it's really exciting to see uh, that opportunity for Riley, and I think that just shows that Wisconsin is, is really heating up in the in the recruiting trail, getting to maybe not you're not a blue blood status by any means, but they're starting to land more guys, bigger stars, bigger names, um, which which is always a good thing because Wisconsin is great at evaluating talent and and turning that talent into production out the field. If uh, it's the old mantra, do more with less, but doing more with more is is going to be good too. So it's exciting to see that opportunity uh, for Riley. The other news that that we've got is a couple of commits or not, a couple of recruits have uh, trimmed down their list in terms of their top teams that they're looking at. One is of course a huge prospect in Nolan Rookie. If you guys don't already know, his brother uh, is on the Wisconsin team, so we certainly got that in the uh, in the pocket as he's going from him out of Lidditz, Pennsylvania in that class of 2021. Narrowed it down to his top nine. So what did you make of that list? It's good to see uh, Wisconsin in there with some pretty big schools and names. Yeah, I mean, you you know that the Badgers are going to be in in it till the thick of things. Um, you know, Nolan Rucci, really talented prospect, one of the top uh, 15 players in the entire country, um, really talented outside um, tackle. I think the Badgers are in some good company there. I think the Badgers are within the top two probably. Um, the other nine were Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Michigan, Ohio State, Stanford, Penn State, Notre Dame. That's that's pretty telling about just how talented of a prospect he is. Older brother Hay- Hayden's been hitting him up, obviously telling hey about how great Wisconsin is. Um, went to Twitter and Instagram, you know, to kind of throw some shade to his brother to, to pick where he should go. But um, I think really Wisconsin-Penn State, it's going to be a battle to the end for him. Uh, his dad played for Penn State and mom played for Penn State as well. So there's a it's going to be kind of a seesaw for, between those two schools, whether he opts to stay home or whether he uh, – Yeah, yeah, that'll be great for, for Nolan. Of, of course, he, he's from that area, and Penn State is definitely going to be a team that is kind of in that contention, uh, I think, right up there with Wisconsin. But you're seeing it already. Hayden was on uh, on Twitter throwing, or, throwing around uh, what the correct answer was. It was a lot of fun to see uh, some brotherly banter back and forth between those two. And, uh, of course, that's going to help anytime you've got uh, family time to a school like they do with Penn State and like they do with Wisconsin, it's going to be a big deal. So, uh, right now, in terms of 247, they've got uh, the crystal ball staying 75% Penn State, but it's still wide open and these things can change. And it's good to have, uh, you know, uh, a player that can recruit. You know, of course, Nolan's going to see Hayden, you know, play more this fall and get into games and get to know that environment. So it's definitely, definitely trending in the right direction for the Badgers they, as they try to land really one of the top players in all of the country. Yeah, I mean, there's no program that he's going to be more familiar with other than Wisconsin, really, just because he knows exactly how the athletes are going to be treated, what to expect when if he was on campus there. He's been on so many visits to come see his brother. Um, basically, he was able to go on an official visit with his brother when he was there. Um, you know, it was unofficial in terms of his visit, but it, it was getting paid for by UW because it was part of his brother and part of his family. So Wisconsin was able to kind of get double dip there a little bit and have that opportunity um, with hate because of Hayden on campus. So definitely uh, something to watch, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him going anywhere um in in there uh, in that top nine, I, but I think Wisconsin and Penn State are probably a, a slight edge of everybody else. Clemson might not be too far behind. Yeah, I would have to agree. Wherever it goes, uh, they're going to get an extremely talented player uh, in Nolan. So it'll be exciting to see how his recruitment uh, wraps up. And of course, uh, if he comes to Wisconsin, that would really bolster that class of 2021, which is already looking uh, pretty strong. The next recruit uh, news that we have is for Robert Reagan. Narrow down his top seven, Wisconsin in the mist. If you guys aren't familiar with that name, he's a cornerback out of Orange Lutheran High School out in Orange, California. So what do you make of, of Robert's list, and what do you make of him as maybe as a player? Yeah, I mean, he's a really talented cornerback, four-star kid, um, you know, three-star, depending upon uh, the service you're looking at. But his offer list is definitely beatable at this moment. Wisconsin's in that top seven. Just recently had him on um, a visit for that junior day, and he's supposed to have an official visit locked in. I know he's supposed to go ahead and commit in September to somewhere. 
think that's his birthday month or something like that. But, um, you know, Fresno State, Utah, Boise State, Kansas, Oregon State, and Arizona State. I really think Arizona State and Utah are the only two that you really got to look at and think, yeah, they they could unseat the Badgers. But I think the Badgers are in, in prime position there, and it's always good to bring in um, – you know, really talented, lengthy, athletic cornerbacks that uh, like him that can really help elevate the secondary to an even higher level. Wisconsin's recruiting really high right now. Um, you know, I think last time I saw they were eighth in the country. So it's it's one of those things where this is the type of battle that you got to win. And if you listen to our interview with Deacon Hill uh, a few weeks back, he had referenced that RJ, um, who is Robert. Uh, is close to committing. He thinks he's a guy that the Badgers are going to end up getting and that he's got a really good relationship with two Cali kids. So he would definitely be a a huge get for them. Um, You know, not quite to the same level as Nolan Rucci, but definitely uh, one of the top flight defensive players they have on their board. Most definitely. Athletic corner uh, from from a talented high school out in California and there's certainly some competition right there uh, with, you know, the Arizona States of the world and Herm Edwards trying to build something. But I think Wisconsin seems to have that, uh, you know, that edge right now, especially when you're getting recruited by uh, Jim Leonard in terms of that defensive positioning, knows the cornerback and, and secondary position well. So I think RJ would be a, a welcome a welcome player to the Badgers that are going to be looking to, you know, get some of these younger kids on campus, especially in the secondary with so much depth and experience in the current team. Uh, that they're going to need some guys that will start, you know, Filling, filling the shoes as some of those guys transition either to the next level or graduation with uh, with the group they've got right now. So that'll be a, a very welcome addition since uh, the, this past class, only one cornerback in that class. going to be a few more as we get into these next uh, few classes. But exciting times for Wisconsin football recruiting. Seeming to do pretty well on the recruiting trail. Uh, it's a, a, a weird time right now with everything going on, but these players are still... Uh, getting recruiting and uh, getting guys after him. So it'll be exciting to see where this finishes up. Anything else news-wise? Otherwise, we'll kick it over to some ads and we'll get into our NFL draft preview with Owen. Yeah, let's just talk with Owen. I think it's going to be a really exciting interview. Most definitely. All right, guys, stick with us. After these ad reads here, we're going to get into our NFL draft preview in terms of Wisconsin. We'll go ahead and talk with uh, Owen about where we think uh, these Badgers are going to go, what their strengths and weaknesses are. I think it'll be a lot of fun, and you guys will enjoy as we get to NFL draft season. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest in Owen Reese. Reese Draft on Twitter, if you haven't read already, he's our resident uh, scout evaluator, NFL draft expert, the whole nine yards, and he's going to come on and talk to us uh, about the NFL draft in this Wisconsin Badger class because that uh, big day for these guys is coming up right around the corner uh, starting this Thursday and uh, a lot of big names for this Wisconsin class, but we'll get into that, uh, see what he thinks about uh, this this class as we get into uh, the NFL draft. Owen, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get. Uh, we'll, we'll just kind of get into the overall of this class. What do you kind of make of of this NFL draft class for Wisconsin in comparison to to maybe others? Because there's a lot of. It seems like a, a huge amount of talent for the Badgers going to the next level. Yeah. So like that was the first thing I thought of when you guys sent me the format for the show. I was looking at it and I remember going to uh, the first pro day I covered would have been like the winter of 2016, um, and like Joel Savi and Joe Schobert and some of those guys were there, uh, like Tyler Merritt's, like the old tackle and stuff. And I remember just being there and be like, whoa, like Joe Schobert's here. That's really cool. And he was like a fourth-round pick. And now um, I think it's just kind of a, a good measure of, like, being able to see how the Badgers have recruited over the past few years, right? Like, I mean, like you might have two first-round picks here uh, and then probably four, maybe five guys drafted total, which for Wisconsin is pretty good. You know, like I, I wouldn't um, – if you want to feel good about it, I probably wouldn't go take a look at, like, the 2017 recruiting class of Alabama or anything. Um, but, I mean, like, it, it's a solid class. Like I said, you'll probably have three guys that should probably go the first two days, which is pretty solid considering, right, like they're usually around the mid-30s to, to high-20s in, like, draft class rank or recruiting class rankings. Um, so, I mean, like, having two potential first-round picks is, is pretty cool, and um, four or five to maybe six dudes in NFL camps, I think, is, is a pretty good representation of them, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of one of those guys that might go in the first round is, is Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, he was a beast in college. Um, but in the eyes of NFL evaluators, where do you think lays his biggest strength? 
Oh, uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, like, the the rare, um, like, size-speed combo, right? Like, I don't mean to do this. Uh, I saw someone on Twitter, I think it was uh, Philip Proust, uh, who writes for the Jaguars and stuff, had done some stuff with Optimum Scouting back in the day. He posted the, uh, basically, like, the height and, or height, weight, speed, like, spark ratings of the two, Um that's been turned into RAS, I guess, like relative athletics uh, testing scores that's on Twitter. And, like, it's pretty identical to Adrian Peterson um, as far as, like, about the same size dudes. They both ran. I think Taylor was a 4.39 and Peterson was 4.41 at, like, 220-something pounds. And um, so, I mean, like, that, that size and speed profile is not common. I think that's part of what makes him so special, right? Like, he's a big dude. He's tough to tackle, and he can run away from you. Um, but then once you get past that, like, he's got incredible – contact balance. I think that's the first thing. You never see Jonathan Taylor get, like, hit hard either. Like, he never – you don't see – like, the defense very rarely, like, comes up, makes a big stick, and Taylor's going backwards, and, you know, like, the defensive dude, like, cowboys over him or whatever, right? So, like, he's very strong. He falls forward, and he's just – he's built well. He's thick. um, And and just – I think the other thing, too, like, just from a play style standpoint, he's just extremely consistent. Uh, and that kind of, I guess, kind of goes back to, like, he's never the one getting driven backwards, right? Like, it's everything is – a lot of the carries look the same, and they're all four to five to six to seven yards, and they look easy and just and effortless and consistently, right? And, like, that's the cool thing with him is he's not a super high-variance player. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine he had very many negative yard runs, and if they did, they certainly weren't on him. So, to me, I think that – NFL coaches will appreciate that. I think there's a lot of dudes in college that have the ability to make splash plays. But in the NFL, especially, like, once you're um, – you know, I was talking to the running backs coach from the Dolphins. He said that, like, an average NFL team's run efficiency is, like, 38 to 42% as far as, like, an efficient run play, like, four yards um, or how they kind of measure those statistics. So as you continue to go up in competition, the defenses get better. Teams are, are typically better at defending the run. So – the ability to make the most out of little um, or to negate negative runs, I think, is big, and that's something that he'll be able to take with him to the next level. Yeah, that's a great point. It's something that, you know, maybe for a common fan, uh, maybe you didn't notice it, but now that you say that, 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 that is definitely something that Jonathan Taylor seems to be pretty strong at. But on the flip side, where do you think NFL coaches will want him to improve? He's got a, t- a tremendous amount of talent, but – there's got to be something that, that the coaches will want to see from him at the next level. Yeah, so there's three things to, that pop up immediately to me. One is uh, less concerning than the other two. So um, we'll start with the good news. Uh, he's continuing to improve as a receiver, but he's far from a polished receiving back. Or, you know, I wouldn't say that he would be like a primary option, right? I think he had 24 catches this year, which uh, was more than he had had his first two seasons combined. But certainly still uh, some room for improvement there. And then the other two things probably more glaring are, one is pass protection, which isn't extremely unique to him. Like, Corey Clement was taken off the field on third downs, too. So I don't know if it's so much a coaching staff lack of trust in his ability to do it, rather that they seem to to show the um, preference to want to play a different back on third down. Like, I I don't think any Wisconsin coach would be like, yeah, like, Garrett Groshek's a better football player than Jonathan Taylor. So that's why we need to get him on the field, right? But, like, they've, they've shown this. They did it with Clement and Nagumbawale, too. Um, you know, so, like, pass pro, he hasn't had a ton of experience with it, but he will need to improve it because what we have seen hasn't been super effective, which could also be thrown to, like, he hasn't had to do it a ton. Um, and it's not like pass pro in high school football is the super important thing for running backs either, right? If you're that good, run the ball. I don't care what you do otherwise. Uh, the last thing. And it's been a huge, huge issue for him uh, his entire career uh, at Madison is fumbling football. Like, I think he had 18 fumbles, and the Badgers lost 15 of those. That's a lot. That's alarming and concerning. Um, I made a joke, and in, in going back to the the comparison with Adrian Peterson, um, I made a joke with uh, Jeff Risden down at the Senior Bowl. This got brought up, and about what about the, the fumbling thing? I was like, well, Adrian Peterson had a lot of fumbles too, um, and I said that somewhat tongue in cheek. Like, Adrian Peterson is obviously, like, this generational running back. Like, I'm not trying to compare anybody to him. 
but stylistically, like the more the longer this has gone, the better that comment has really aged, right? So I think if you're a good enough runner, you can like NFL teams will live with ball security issues, but I think it's something that he'll need to continue to improve. I have no doubts that he hasn't spent the last three, four months, whatever it's been, right? Like obviously he's a really smart kid; he gets it too. And I think the first thing that Paul Chris will tell you in a pregame or a postgame press conference. Anytime any kid screws up, like, he's not doing it on purpose, right? So, like, the more, it, you know, like, he'll continue to work on it and get better at it at the next level. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing. Like, five, if you're averaging five fumbles a year, that's bad. Um, and it was more than that. It's just five lost fumbles a year. So that's, that's concerning, but I don't think it's anything that, like, will prevent him from getting drafted. Like, if a team in the late first round wants to draft Jonathan Taylor, like, I don't think the ball security issues will stop that but it's certainly something that could take him off the field once he gets to the NFL if it doesn't improve. I like the comparison with Adrian Peterson. Peterson, obviously, a little bit more of a strider. But then you also look at like a guy like Saquon Barkley, who's similar size, similar speed profile. I, I could see that. Both those guys ended up going in the first round. Do you see that for Jonathan Taylor, or where do you think would be some good fits for him? I, so... <laughs> I'm probably not the right guy to ask about that. Um, I'm still very much on the hill of, like, teams will draft football players this Thursday ahead of Jonathan Taylor that are not better than Jonathan Taylor in football. Um, So that's a a philosophical difference I have with a lot of Twitter. Um, And and obviously as the the game of football continues, at least at the professional level, to devalue the running back position, um, I think he'll probably end up somewhere between 33 and 50. I think that's the seems to be the sweet spot. I think someone like uh, Jacksonville at 42 makes a lot of sense. Obviously, they're they're shopping Leonard Fournette right now. Um, I think Jacksonville used to have a guy whose last name was Taylor who was pretty good. Uh, you know, but like I think that he fits their style. They want to be a, a big, tough, run-first team. I mean, obviously, right now at quarterback they've got Gardner Minshew. I don't think that scares a ton of NFL defenses. So. They want to be a run-first team, and they've got the offensive line built to do it. I think that he would be a good fit there. I think they're a little bit past 50, but another team like Buffalo screams Jonathan Taylor. That would make sense. You can pair him with Devin Singletary, uh, eventually take over for Frank Gore, who is remarkably um, still playing football. I think he's going to be with the cockroaches after the nuclear blast is the only things to survive. But, um, you know, like – those those are the, the types of spots I see. Uh, I know Melvin Gordon tweeted the other day that he thinks he should go 32 to the Chiefs. Um, I think that's that's obviously not very far away in in draft slot. But I think that anywhere from really like tw- I think the Dolphins' third first round pick is 26. Anywhere between there and like I said, I think the Bills are 54. Obviously, I just gave you a 28 pick range, which is a huge cop out. But I think that that's something that um, like that type of area, late first to, to middle second, I think is where he should go. Uh, if he goes anywhere later than that, I would be shocked, and I think that it would be a much more of an indictment on the thought process or the um, the process as a whole of NFL teams uh, if you let a player that good and that talented go that late. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying completely. Uh, let's jump to his uh, center for the last few, three seasons, Tyler Biotish. Uh, a great career, uh, opening holes for, for Jonathan Taylor on some pretty lethal offensive lines, so Kind of going off the same uh, train of thought, what are what are his strengths and weaknesses as we head into the NFL draft? So, Biotis is someone that I've been pretty bullish on Twitter about as well. Um, he, coming into, or coming, I guess, after the 2017 even, and then the 2018 seasons, uh, he was, like, thought to be, like, wow, like, this could be a future first-round pick. And even after his 2017 year, he wasn't eligible to come out. But they're like, well, he might be the best center in the country as a freshman, and uh, I've had a lot of conversations about this. I'm a big believer that, like, football players just don't get worse all of a sudden. So if he was that good in 2017 and 2018, um, while I will say his play did decline in 2019, uh, but I don't think it was, like, accidental. You know, so, like, coaching didn't change. It's usually coaching or injuries. So, and I know Paul Alexander, the former uh, offensive line coach for a long time for the Bengals, kind of came out on Twitter and confirmed some stuff that we had thought that Biotis was playing hurt a lot of the year. Uh, you saw some of that. He ended up on the ground a ton. Uh, I think that's a lot of that. I think he'd had like an abdominal injury after 2018. I know he missed spring ball uh, with that. And that you could just kind of tell like there was like a lack of balance um, while he was engaged with blocks. He slipped off a lot of blocks, ended up on the ground a lot. 
uh, still played well. Like, I, I'm not saying he played poorly, but certainly wasn't as good as he had been uh, in 2017 and 18. So I think that's probably going to bump him down a little bit. Um, I, he'll never be, like, an, in a, uh, an elite pass protector or anything. Like, his whole game starts with the run game. Um, so, I mean, like, I think right away, day one, he's like a plus run blocker in the NFL. Uh, he's a really good athlete, um, but but strong enough as well. I don't think he's necessarily scheme-specific. Uh, but then I think, too, like, he could start in. I, I Like, to me, he's being undervalued a ton. Like, I think he's going to start in the NFL for, like, 10 years. And uh, he's a guy, to me, that he's always, like, he's very similar, like, skill set-wise to me to Michael Dieter, truthfully. Like, they're good athletes for their size, and it, everything's always going to start with the run game. They're very passable in 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 protection. Uh, he'll continue to improve with NFL coaching and uh, with that, but, like, his floor as a run blocker and just his floor as a football player in general is high enough. Like, he's, to me, uh, if he can clean up, if he can stay healthy, first of all, and if he can clean up some of the technique stuff falling off of blocks, like he's shown he can in the past, uh, I, I think he's, like, a quality NFL center for 10 years. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think he's a guy who should stick on a roster for for a long time if if things go right for him. And um, but where do you think he ends up in terms of round? You know, you gave a range for Jonathan Taylor. Um, what do you think in terms of Tyler Biotish, His range would be. Uh, I think he'll probably end up going somewhere in the third round, but I, it wouldn't surprise me with uh, the way this media cycle seems to have gone that he may end up somewhere in the fourth. Again, to me, that's a huge mistake. Like, there's NFL, like, there will be offensive linemen picked in front of Biotish, likely, that are not as good as he is, uh, whether it's they're more athletic or they were healthy or they had a great senior bowl circuit or they interviewed well or whatever. Uh, to me, I, I think probably somewhere in that late third round, somewhere like Baltimore makes a ton of sense to me. They just had Marshall Yonda retire. I know they have their center, Matt Skura, uh, just had offseason leg surgery as well. So to me, if they think he's healthy, it wouldn't surprise me if he stepped in day one and started somewhere. Um, you know, I, I've seen, uh, for what it's worth, a lot of Chiefs fans on Twitter really, really think that Biotis will be a pick for them, too, uh, if they don't get Cesar Ruiz in the first round from Michigan. So uh, probably in the third round is somewhere um, where I think if NFL teams are as smart as I think they are, uh, that, that that slide will end. Um, but it, I, I guess Badger fans shouldn't be surprised or not like, it's not some huge alert if, if he ends up somewhere in early day three either. Yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying on that one. Uh, sticking on the offensive side of the ball, let's let's talk about Quintus Cephas a little bit. Uh, of course, an odd college career, um, given everything that happened uh, off the field. But what do NFL coaches see in his game? Uh, maybe some uh, strengths and weaknesses for Quintus as well. So I think the first thing that, that's extremely evident when you watch him play is that he's just really physical. Um, and I don't know if that would be your initial thought. Like when you think back, he was like a, a Division One basketball commit as late as like early in his senior year of high school before he started getting the, the bigger offers from like Georgia and Miami and Wisconsin. And so he's really physical. Uh, you saw that. Like he took that big hit. Um at the goal line in the Rose Bowl uh, and, and was the first guy up, right? Like, he caught that ball over the middle and then, like, trucks Troy Dye, uh, the Oregon linebacker, who's going to be, like, a third-round pick. Uh, so, to me, like, he's really physical. It's, it's tough for defensive backs to deal with. Um, he had really strong hands to be a good possession receiver. I think you also see the basketball background. Like, he's like he's got really good hand-eye coordination. Um, and then the other thing, too, is, like, his leaping ability, which – the last two things to, like, a normal fan might think, like, well, yeah, like, receivers are generally athletic and they can jump high and they catch the ball well, right? But, like, it's really apparent. Like, when he goes up in the air, like, you can see it's, like, him getting a rebound. Or, like, you know, he'll go up with that one hand, know how to, like, body positioning uh, to to effectively, like, shield the defender from the ball. Like, those little things you can kind of see are, like, come natural to him that don't always come natural to receivers that are, like, you know, just bigger dudes that win a lot of jump balls. So, I think those are the first things that stand out right away. Uh, he's a willing blocker, and just like I said, it's just his physicality in general. I think he considers himself to be like an alpha dog, um, you know, a, a, an alpha athlete, and I think that, um, you know, he, he plays that way, he carries himself that way, and I think that while, like, he's certainly never going to be the alpha dude, like, physically in the NFL, like, he's not like uh, Julio Jones or Mike Evans or anything, but... Um, that's, he's going to carry himself that way, and I think that's going to help him a ton, uh, just like with toughness and stuff.
Yeah, I mean, he's he's a terrific athlete, and what he he can do can really benefit a lot of teams. Um, you know, but then he's also got some other things, some check marks that are kind of against him. Obviously, the the forty yard dash at the combine wasn't what he would hope for. Um, you've got uh, injury history after he missed, you know, good chunk of his sophomore year and really he's only got a year and a half of of film out there because he didn't do a whole lot his freshman year uh when he was kind of just log jammed and was playing just to get prepared um so and 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 in addition to the off the field stuff that had occurred um you know we're not going to get too far into the weeds of that but um how do you think that all will impact his draft stock and, and um what do you think in terms of a scheme do you think would best fit him so yeah, so we'll start with the speed thing. Like I don't, I don't think he's that slow um, as he ran. Uh, I think you could tell like when he ran, like he stood up immediately. And I'm no, tra- I, if anyone has ever seen my body, I am not a track runner. Like don't get me wrong, but like just when you watch the dudes that run really fast, they typically have track backgrounds. They're able to stay down longer. Um, I think it's, I believe it's through the drive phase. Uh, where they're truthfully like they're continuing to build speed and you keep your chest down to to minimize like air resistance. Um, and to me, like that's where you saw him stand up right away. And and he was going to run slow, and then uh, obviously ran better at the pro day, which a lot of a lot goes into that. Um, you know, obviously I always kind of joke around about like that pro day forty yard dashes or like thirty eight yard dashes. You know, like you always see that guys typically run a tenth or two faster. Um, they're also like sleeping in their own bed and in a familiar environment and around friends and family. Like, so I get that. Like, um, but like he's not a, a burner and he's not, he's not going to run by NFL guys. I'll tell you that. Um, so I, I think he probably was like a four, six guy, truthfully, uh, somewhere in the middle of where he tested. Um, I, I think he's going to work really well with a team that wants to play their best receiver in the slot. Like, so I'll use the Browns for an example. Um, you know, and I don't know if he would be the third receiver on the Browns if they drafted him, but like someone like Odell Beckham, or like a number one receiver that's that's really well used um, both outside and in the slot. I think if you line him up and say he lines up on the same side as Odell with you know outside of of Beckham, like Quintez Stephens is not the primary concern of the defense on that play, right? Like so, I think that's going to be his best options is um, you know being that that other receiver along with the stud on the inside. Uh, to me, like he's physical enough; he's more of a possession receiver. Um, he does a nice job, like, but I think he can continue to, like, improve, like, manipulating his speed throughout routes, like, tempoing routes and stuff. Um, he's kind of like a one-speed guy right now, and, you know, like, the more he learns, too, and the more, obviously, he can, continues to get coached. He's only played football for, like, five years or four years now, that like, he'll just continue to learn ways to get open, which he does a nice job of separating anyways. Like, he does a nice job coming out of his breaks, but just continuing to learn the receiver position and learn little tricks to optimize separation ability when you're not athletically superior to the dudes covering you, I think will be um, important for him. And I think in a role like that where he can be a third or fourth receiver and be able to play outside, um, you know, outside of a a more prominent guy. He did play some a little bit in the slot. Like he had that long touchdown against uh, Minnesota out of the slot and stuff in those three by one formations with like the nub tight end on the other side. But that, but that's not the, I guess the point of it is saying like he got lined up on a linebacker, like in the NFL, if you line up in the slot, you're going to have like a corner on you. So it's a little bit different that way. Um, and you're probably going to get pressed in the slot too in the NFL. So alignment manipulation is going to be important for him, putting him in position to succeed. And then, like I said, staying outside of a, a primary receiver, um, you know, when that primary guy's in the slot. But I think those are his best options to be optimized right away. Similar to a guy like James Jones and how he was used by the Packers. Yes, absolutely. Another guy that didn't run super fast and wasn't the most athletic dude. I'm not, like, by no means am I calling Quintez Cephas unathletic, but, like, he's not going to be an elite athlete as an NFL receiver. So, like, that's Jones and Jones is the same way. It was a guy that, like, ran 4-6-something and, and had, like, I think, a belief, like, a, maybe like a 30-inch vertical or something, and, um, you know, worked his way into, I don't know, probably 40-something career touchdowns. So, Let's flip to the other side of the football and, and talk a little bit about Zach Bond. He's a guy that has, has flew up draft boards. Uh, a lot of, of guys have seemed to uh, bring him up over the course of, of his senior bowl and, and, and testing phase. So what maybe has, has driven that? What traits have kind of brought him up higher on a lot of uh, people's boards? 
Well, I'll be the first one to admit that I would have never thought that Zach Bond would get drafted as highly as it looks like he will. <clears throat> um, I Obviously, being at Whitewater, I didn't watch a ton of Badger football, admittedly. Like I saw bits and pieces of the Michigan State game and the Purdue game. You know, like after our game was done, if we were at the bar um, getting dinner, you know, like I, you would see some of the Badger game. You'd see it live, but not enough to really, like, analyze it. And then I saw the Minnesota game and then um, didn't get to see the Big Ten championship game either because we were on our way back from, from Texas. So the biggest thing that I was able to see, like once I truthfully like, was able to watch him again, I thought he was going to be like a third-round guy. You know, like he's a nice athlete and he's had a, a nice bounce-back year and he had whatever. But then, like, you start to see he might have been, like, the best dude I've seen in a few years of, like, being able to penetrate on the backside of zone plays between a backside tackle and a tight end. Like, that's a – like, if you go out and watch back, there's multiple times teams like to run inside zone away from a tight end uh, kind of based on how, like, opposing defenses will, will line up to it. And there's stuff where, like, he knifes between the tackle because the tackle is usually trying to cut someone off and then the tight ends just slow out of his stance or are not able to handle that. And he makes multiple tech tackles for loss that way. Um, and then the other thing, too, like, he was just – he continued to improve year after year as a pass rusher. And he really started to kind of come on at the end of his junior year. Uh, had a nice game in the bowl game against Miami and uh, a couple nice plays against, like, Northwestern and Purdue as the year went along. But never, like, the production wasn't there. Uh, and then, you, I mean, you saw I, – I, I did see earlier in the year against USF, he had that strip sack that Henningsen returned for a touchdown and stuff. And, like, Against the lesser competition, he, he looked impressive. But then once I kind of got into whitewater stuff, I kind of lost out on that for, like, live viewings and stuff. But to me, like, he's just continued to improve athletically. Uh, he's always in the right position. He's very opportunistic. He makes plays when they're there. He doesn't miss a lot of opportunities. And just a really smart player. Like, he never gets out leveraged out in space. Just, like, a lot of little things that never puts himself in bad positions. And, you know, like, has just ended up, you know, had 12 and a half sacks. He was second in the Big Ten in sacks. And um, like I said, took it, took advantage of the opportunities he had. I think that's something that uh, NFL teams covet because in the NFL, typically teams have less plays per game, and you're obviously playing a higher level of competition on the other side. So um, usually the guys that NFL teams will value safe players rather than than the more um, erratic ones that maybe have a little more potential for for bigger plays because they want to be sound and they want to be safe as often as possible. So. Uh, I think he, he shows a lot of those skills to NFL teams, and I think that's kind of like what's really driven that um, that appeal to him. Because I, I don't think before the year, no one was saying Zach Bond could be a first round pick. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think anybody who would be thinking that going into this year. Um, but you, you look at his production, and you brought up the sacks, but then he also had, was third on the team and almost led the team in tackles at, with 76, only four behind, Stanboard, two behind, or um, a lot because of what he could do in run production. So in terms of the next level, do you see him potentially um, switching positions similar to what Schobert did or kind of the transition he meant? Yeah, and actually he brought that up at the at the Senior Bowl um, while I was sitting there getting annoyed listening to him get asked the same question 13 different ways, either about him playing quarterback in high school or if, um, you know, like if they thought he could move off the ball. He mentioned Joe Schobert. And I think the big thing is that I think Bond obviously had like the diluted test or whatever, which I think we'll probably hit on here in a second. But so like he's very clearly like bulked up. You know, like he's he's not – uh, he's not like naturally 240 pounds or whatever. Like he, he was at the, his senior bowl was 240, and then at the combine was 238. Um, so like he's probably safely 230 to 235, and that's not big enough to play on the edge in the NFL. I mean, like you're gonna have 320 pound, 330 pound offensive tackles. Like you can't give up 100 pounds um, to those dudes consistently, especially in the run game. So I think his Best opportunity is probably to be used uh, in, like, the Von Miller early couple years style of role, like where he would play Sam in base downs like for, like, a 4-3 team. And then if he was one of their best two pass rushers to, you know, it's like to slip down and be on the line of scrimmage on, on second long or um, long and late downs and stuff. I think the other thing, though, is that teams could use him. Like, he could play Mike somewhere for, like, a 4-3. That wouldn't, like, shock me. He did it a little bit in the 3-4 at uh, the Senior Bowl for the Lions. 
and he looked like pretty like a fish out of water because he has like I think he's had three reps this year uh, of him doing that. So obviously that's something he's not super familiar with doing or like comfortable doing. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing is he's going to have to be. Uh, he's not going to be a line of scrimmage defender, I don't think, in the NFL, or at least unless he puts on 10 to 15 pounds, which he might be able to do over the course of the next couple of years. Um, but And you maybe play like the weak side of a 3-4 uh, and be at 245 pounds or something. But uh, I think initially he's going to have to step off the ball. And I think like someone like New England or Miami or Detroit or any type of team that values or has that like that Kyle Van Noy spot, um, or um, Jamie Collins used to play it a little bit. Uh, like that, it's just kind of like a. Sometimes you pass rush and sometimes you cover and sometimes you play the run and like it's just kind of that skeleton key position where like we're going to use your versatility, um, you know, to your advantage rather than than pigeonholing you, pigeonholing you. Excuse me, easy for me to say in one spot. So uh, to me, I think like his. Wisconsin asks their offensive linebackers to do a lot more than typical college 3-4 teams do, and I think that this is that type of position where that's going to benefit him moving forward. Yeah, I think whoever gets uh, Zach Vaughn is going to get a really you know tremendous player, uh, certainly very flexible, and it'll be interesting to see where he kind of ends up at the next level. Uh, let's flip to his linebacker mate in, in Crystal, or a guy that, uh, as a Wisconsin fan, he's definitely a fan favorite, part of a champion. Always one to uh, talk a little bit uh, uh, to the opponent, talk a little smack. But in terms of his positioning, where do you think um, where do you think Chris Orr will end up? I know there's been some talk as, as maybe an undrafted free agent, but where do you think he could be in terms of possible rounds or, or the alternate route? Yeah, I, I think truthfully, I think he'll end up being an undrafted guy. Um, I think he tested more athletic than he is or than he plays at the, the Badger Pro Day, which, um, again, could, maybe is up for discussion where if you think that, um, you know, Pro Days are, are a legitimate environment or not for testing scores, but extremely instinctual. You know, his, his brother, uh, Zach Orr, played for the Ravens, was an undrafted free agent, became an all-pro in the second or third year as a professional before – um, you know, before injuries and a neck injury kind of took him and forced him to retire. And I think that Chris plays very similarly to how Zach did. Uh, he's very instinctual. He's not a super big dude. He's like six foot two twenty five or or so. I think he will have to um, put on weight as he continues to improve. I think somewhere like two thirty five, which truthfully is is where he was before he lost all that weight last off season. Um, so it's not like a completely uncomfortable thing for him. I think he has to play inside in the 3-4. I don't know if he's big enough to, like, play Sam, um, you know, and have to potentially, like, cover tight ends or whatever at six foot and 225 pounds or 230 pounds. I think he has to stay inside. His biggest ability, like, as a, as a football player is, um, well, first of all, like, knifing through the line of scrimmage. Like, he's a very effective blitzer, and he shows, like, a lot of uh, inherent ability to, like, get through the line of scrimmage and deal with blockers without – completely confronting them physically, like obviously, like we said, with the like the size limitations. But then the other thing, too, is he hits like a truck. Like, you would not expect – like, the way that Chris Orr hits, you'd expect he looks like Leo Chanel or something, you know, like compared to a, a dude that's about the size of some safeties, right? And he's – when he hits guys – I think it was Evan Flood from 24-7. Um, when, when Orr was coming in, he was a really low-ranked recruit. But he was – I remember him saying, like, when he hits people, they go backwards. Like, he doesn't get run over. Guys don't fall forward when he tackles them. And that's something that, uh, you know, like that, that style of play will help him a little bit compensate for that lack of size. I don't know if he'll ever be a starter in the NFL, um, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be awful tough to get rid of because he's going to play, like, every core special team and just be an absolute pain in the ass for, for any team he plays. Like, if you saw that in 2018 – he, like, voluntarily played special teams because he wasn't getting a ton of time behind T.J. Edwards and Ryan Connolly, and he, like, went to the coaching staff, and he's like, let me play literally every special team that I can. Uh, and I think that attitude's going to go a long way for him and, and help him stick around. Um, you know, I remember coach telling me in, in early in my college career that make it so they can't cut you, right? Like, do whatever you can to make them not be able to take you off the field. And I think that's something that Chris Orr – uh, intrinsically has. I don't know. He's never going to have the NFL like talent or ability to to be like a premier player, but he's going to be awful tough to cut or get rid of. 
Yeah, I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there when you you specifically said that you know he's going to be a guy that's going to make it really hard to get rid of him. I, I think that's just what he brings, the intangibles and intelligence that he has, as well as um, you know the NFL's a business, but the um, the way he carries himself and handles things in the locker rooms, he, he's somebody you want on your team. Um, you know, going into this, um, what strengths do you think? will help him make a roster, and, and do you ultimately think he's going to make a roster come uh, next fall slash this summer? Yeah, so, I mean, like, I think that the special team ability is going to be huge. Like, and that's that's very cliche, and that's very – it's said about, like, every player that's a draftable fringe guy, like, bubble guy, like, well, what's his value on special teams? Can he play teams? Does he, does he want to do that? Does he have a history doing that? Like, I remember that being a concern with, like, Equinemius St. Brown or, or – um, because, like, his dad – is a bit eccentric, and I remember them talking about, like, well, he wouldn't play special teams at Notre Dame, like, refused. Um, but, like, that's a guy, like, Chris Orr, to me, like, he's, like I said, he's a guy that, that eats that opportunity up and, and wants to make the most of it. He, his dad played in the NFL. His older brothers played in the NFL. I think he's going to stop at nothing to uh, to keep that opportunity from happening to him. Uh, so that, and then the big thing, like, so he's never going to be a pass rusher or anything in the NFL, but Getting 11 and a half sacks as an inside linebacker is not a common thing. Uh, so that's something, too. Like, it wouldn't be surprising to me if someone, like some defensive coordinator that's that's a bit more creative is found is can find a way to get him on the field in pass rush situations or have him be a guy that's brought in to do stuff like that. Because, I mean, I don't think TJ Edwards and Ryan Conley had 11 and a half sacks combined the two years they started next to each other every game. I mean, so that's that's like I said, that's not a common thing uh, to see a three-four inside inside linebacker have eleven and a half sacks. So if NFL teams or whether he's able to replicate that at the NFL, I don't know. I don't think so. But that's certainly something that like very uniquely he has in this draft class. You know, he's like I had eleven and a half sacks as an inside linebacker. Like that's not a normal thing. So he does have some type of pass rush ability, whether it's schemed or whether or not he's beaten dudes. Um, but he made it happen, and I think that's something that in the NFL, like, they don't care how it gets done as long as it gets done. Most definitely, and you know Chris Orr is going to give it everything he's got to to make an NFL roster. You, we've talked about uh, his heart and his leadership and everything like that, uh, and that certainly seems to translate uh, with his family and himself. So we wish him uh, the best of luck. Uh, wrapping up here, is there any other Badgers uh, – You know, there's more guys. These were kind of the focal guys because these are the guys that are drafted maybe an undrafted free agent in Chris Orr, but any other guys that you see making a, a push for a roster or anything like that that's part of this uh, additional members of the, the Badgers draft class? Not not a ton, like not anything super significant. Um, you know, I we don't really know how this is going to go, like if rookie camps are even going to be a thing or not. Um, you know, it's like some of these guys might end up getting a short straw on some of this, but uh, guys like Jason Erdman, to me, like he's going to be – um, very low on the NFL spectrum of athleticism, but he's got a ton of experience at both guard and center, and he's six six and three hundred thirty pounds. Like I, if that doesn't scream a chance at a rookie camp, I don't know what does. Um, he's like I said, this, especially he's got the center experience. I know in twenty seventeen he replaced Tyler Biotish at center, uh, and the offense didn't skip a beat. Um, I mean, he's like a big, bad bodied <laughs> dude. He was a former walk on, like. He's not the first dude you have walk off the bus, but he blocks dudes and he's he's NFL size. I think he's going to get a chance. And then the other guy that that truthfully, like I think, has some legitimate merit to a chance is AJ Taylor, um, who's kind of gotten lost here. I was joking with Drew. Um, I was going through and doing all these scouting report profiles, and I had like forgotten about him. Like AJ Taylor was the last one I wrote, and I tried to do them in in like draft chronological order, like from the bottom up. And uh, he's a guy that I think he has NFL talent, like from a skill set, athleticism standpoint, was never a, a premier or featured receiver at Wisconsin. But with the ball in his hands, he's, he's very talented. He's tough to bring down. He's built like a running back. He was a four-star running back in high school. And that's how he's built at receiver. So while I think he's still developing while, as a wide receiver, with the ball in his hand, uh, he can make some stuff happen. So He's another guy. He's like not near the top of NFL athleticism spectrums, but he's not a bad athlete either. So, um, with his Achilles injury, I think he had against Minnesota. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, the 
Um, you know, I, I've seen him posting on Instagram that he's, you know, he's doing jump roping and he's, he's doing some activity. He's out of a boot. He's, he's in that, that process, that build-up process. But I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't know how long Achilles stuff takes. Um, it seems like every dude gets back quicker and quicker now than they ever have before. But he might be a guy that's maybe brought in for like a workout mid-season maybe if we, God forbid, have a football season this offseason. And um, he's a guy that's like signed maybe next year as a future or reserves contract guy um, just due to the timetable of his injury and not really being able to test or do anything for teams now. Um, but I think he's a guy that should be on NFL radars. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because we were going through our uh, our favorite memories of this class, and I think we left A.J. Taylor off on accident because the, that end of, of his career was so unfortunate. But for Wisconsin, he was a, a great and, and solid receiver, so we hope uh, we hope he gets a crack at the uh, next level as well. Uh, guys, that kind of wraps up our preview for uh, Wisconsin football. We were planning on maybe having uh, Owen back on later in the week to do uh, just an overall NFL draft, maybe talk about where some of our favorite teams are looking for. I think us three are all Packer fans, but we'll try to broaden our horizons for any uh, Badger Bears or Badger Vikings fans, as, as crazy as you might be. So uh, make sure to stick around for that uh, later in the week. We've got some other fun stuff uh, coming up uh, on the basketball end, which we won't. Uh, we'll give you a little teaser right now. We've got some interviews with uh, a pretty big former Badger that we've got in the works. So. Make sure to continue to keep listening uh, to Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Owen, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we hope you uh, can hop on with us later in the week. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, sorry for going off. No, you're good. It was a lot of uh, strong insights, so it helped us out because uh, we're, we're certainly not draft gurus, so it was good to uh, get some info, oh, and uh, we're excited to see where these guys end up. Guys, thank you again for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin. Thank you.